For me, food is all about the company rather than the dish in itself. Food can be so emotional and when we are with people who mean the world to us, it has the potential of becoming so much more. I am so very excited to welcome my friend and fellow photographer and creative Monique Sorin to the Culturally Ours podcast. Monique and I connected way back when during the early days of Culturally Ours and she immediately jumped on board and created a beautiful recipe for us and shared some amazing photos of her travels to her home country of Laos. Monique has had a very interesting journey from being a commissioned painter to a tattoo artist to a pastry chef and now as a food stylist, food photographer and food blogger. She does commercial work for ads related to the food industry, as well as does recipe development for businesses in the food and hospitality space. She's extremely talented and her enthusiasm and love for all things related to creativity and food comes out throughout our conversation. Monique and I talked about comfort foods and got a little bit deep into the science behind the what and the why. She says foods, especially comfort foods, are often very emotional. We all have different ones for very different reasons. We also kind of geeked out a little bit on how there is very real science behind this concept. Often comfort foods are easy carbs and there's a reason for it. Scientifically, these get digested faster and release those feel-good endorphins faster, leading us to that happy place where we just want to be in. Bet you didn't anticipate a scientific discussion about food on the Culturally Ours podcast, did you? We also talked about the differences between traveling to eat or food as just being a part of your overall travel adventures. Of course, one of my favorite questions around who would you have at your dinner table and what would you serve got a very unique response from Monique, who said that for her, sharing meals is very much hospitality related. It's an interactive experience where she spends time and effort in figuring out what the other person's palate is like. Then it becomes more personal, which is so true. It's not about us, it's about them. I am so happy to have Monique on the Culturally Ours podcast, and I know you are going to enjoy getting to know her and her food journey on this episode of Culturally Ours. Welcome to Culturally Ours, a show where we explore global cultural diversity in an intimate way through conversations and narratives around lifestyle, culture, food, art, and travel. Host Karthika Gupta talks to people from all over the world who have intimately experienced different cultures as a way to understand each other's worlds from the inside out, focusing on what we have in common. Welcome, Monique. Thank you so very much for joining me on Culturally Ours. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, and I cannot wait to chat with you, get to know you a little bit better, and sort of get to know your food journey a little bit better. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is, it's a pleasure. I love all the other interviews. Absolutely. So before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about sort of who you are, where you're from, just to help set the stage for this chat? Yeah, um, so I'm a food stylist and photographer, as well as a recipe developer, and now a food blogger, because I just um, redid my website, and I'm in Essex, Connecticut, and yeah. 
And for those who don't know, Monique actually shared a, a recipe way back when Cultural Leons oh, yeah. was just <laughs> getting started. So she's she's been with us the whole journey. Um, so it's really great to have you on the podcast. Now, talk to me a little bit about sort of your food journey. I know you're a food stylist, you're a recipe developer, now a blogger. How does sort of food fit into your life and lifestyle? Do you Do you love to cook or is it just you know, something you do because you have to eat? Um, it's it's definitely both. I come from a family of foodies. <laughs> we'll like talk about food while we're eating food and already thinking about our next meal. So it's just kind of inherent. And mm-hmm. I love cooking. I love photographing it, styling it. I love anything to do with food, basically. It's it's a very interesting um, journey. I know a lot of people kind of who love food start blogging and then, you know, do photography and styling. You've sort of gone the other way around. Was it intentional or was it just something that kind of happened? Oh, so <laughs> uh, backing up, I had a lot of different interests in life and Long story short, I tried combining a whole bunch of um, endeavors to fit this lifestyle. Um, before I was a commissioned painter and wow, yeah, <laughs> and a tattoo artist. And then one day I was like, you know, I really, I really love food. These other career paths aren't really fulfilling me. So then I went to school for pastries. Okay, um, I wanted to do cooking but I honestly wanted to avoid having to cut up any meat (laughs) so (laughs) I was like let's do pastries this works (laughs) and then um towards the end I just got interested in photography and I just went all in and I got so fascinated with it I was like wait a second We'll take a step back and <laughs> let's let's combine some things so we can utilize all the information. <laughs> well, it's it's a creative path. It sounds like it's a creative path that you started and it sort of morphed and now you've come to a point where you're doing a little bit of everything that you love. So I think it's all good at the end, don't you think? <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. It's it's something new every day and it's even for it being solely around food there's just Mm. so many variations for sure for sure now tell me a little bit about your cooking style you said you know in terms of family food is very prominent but what about your cooking style do you use cookbooks do you you know have family recipes or are you just one of those people that gets into the kitchen looks at ingredients and says ah this is what I'm going to make (laughs) (laughs) you know honestly it's all of the above there's just so much to learn from each department and um my family we don't have family recipes (laughs) and I think that's what kind of drove me to want to become a recipe developer because I would get so frustrated that I it would be like I don't measure I just go based off of instincts and I know it's not just my culture either it's like all cultures do that (laughs) so I um, I love cookbooks. I love reading through people's um, stories, noticing the different 
writing styles and imagery. And I go based off of those and based off of just remembering what my family is doing for family recipes. And I also develop my own. So I kind of do it all. <laughs> it just, yeah, all of it interests me. No, that's excellent. I mean, I I love cookbooks for the aesthetic appeal for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, but there's something <laughs> but there's something to be said about a recipe that tells you a story as opposed to just saying, you know, here are the five ingredients and here are the seven steps because that's very dry and it gives you no history on why the author is, you know, putting this particular recipe in. If there's a story, if there's a narrative, you feel more connected. And I, 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 for me personally, I'm more inclined to probably try it to see if I can experience that, what the author was experiencing. Um, I'm a horrible cook, so that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> well, where I think it's it better does, than you think. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have my go-tos for sure. Uh, I'm not very adventurous in the kitchen. And I, I think I've made my peace with that now. Um, my daughter loves to cook. So I'm like, okay, there's somebody in the family who can, <laughs> who can do the cooking. <laughs> That's great, though. It's, yes. it's cool to see how things balance out. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Now, tell me some of your um, favorite dishes to make and to Ooh. eat. If they're not the same. <laughs> I, I don't think I have a favorite. You know, I get asked that and I still can't decide because I, it really depends on my mood. It depends on the weather and who I'm with. I think, you know, when I think about my favorite dishes, I think of like the favorite company that I'm with. And it's never really about food when I look back on to those moments. It's always the company and gathering and coming together. Yeah, like um, like my mom's egg rolls. They're not something that I want all the time. But <laughs> and like, it's really good, but it's I wouldn't say it's my favorite. But what I really admire thinking to that recipe is just how the whole family comes together and is assigned to a different aspect of the recipe and it's just a communal food <laughs> for sure no that that totally makes sense like for me it's um it's chai and i know i've mm. talked about this before um growing up i would sit with my mom in the kitchen while she was making you know food in the early mornings because she was a teacher and she would leave the house at seven in the morning. So she would get get up really early and she would be making lunch for everybody. And I would be up and we would share a cup of chai. So for me, the act of having chai with her is so much more than the actual chai in itself. Because yeah. like you said, it's like the person and the memories that you associate with a dish um, so I totally get where you're, where you're coming from there. Now, um, being a pastry chef and now developing recipes, is there a particular dish that, you know, maybe you're like dying to try out or dying to master and, you know, you keep at it? <laughs> you know, I, I, there's not one that comes to mind. <laughs> I was trying to think about it. And I, again, it goes back to just, whatever is exciting in the moment, because sometimes what excites me most is an idea of like a friend wanting to try something and then 
getting into the research of how and why that developed. And it's never consistent. It's just whatever is a spur of the moment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So spontaneous. (laughs) Hey, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I think just given everything that we've gone through these past couple of years, having a little bit of spontaneity is is a good thing and it's exciting. (laughs) Hey there. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Culturally Ours. Did you know there are so many wonderful resources, articles, and blog posts on the website to extend your Culturally Ours experience? We also have a library of free resources like a travel guide to some of the most culturally diverse places around the world, a global kitchen essentials cheat sheet, and so much more. Head on over to culturallyars.com forward slash free to grab these and be sure to check back often as we're constantly adding more resources just for you. Now, let's get back to the episode. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit, shift gears a little bit and talk about sort of um, comfort food. Um, it's, such a, it's such a great concept. You talked about egg rolls. I talked about chai. Um, these are foods that, you know, perhaps have special memories and and emotions tied to it so do you have any sort of comfort foods that are your go-to um maybe just you know just because you're feeling down or just because you just want to try try that back again honestly mine is really simple it's eggs and rice with soy sauce (laughs) so like ever since i was a child um i guess i must have been pretty stubborn (laughs) because it was all that i would eat and um looking back on it now i i think of all the times that my mom like tried to get me to eat something new and just being exposed to all the different things was such a fun experience and then even traveling to laos i couldn't i found out i can't really handle um msg (laughs) so i like survived off of eating eggs and rice (laughs) And it just, to this day, it still brings me a lot of comfort for whatever reason. (laughs) And it's just easy to make. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes comfort food is that whatever is easy because we sort of want to get to the good part, right? The good part is like eating that particular thing and savoring it and and remembering those, those moments and those memories. So yeah, sometimes comfort, I mean, I think for the most part, comfort food is easy. Of course, there, there are exceptions in this <laughs> elaborate, elaborate comfort foods, and then it becomes more of the, the, the act of actually making it, which is comforting, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's really emotional, like comfort foods. And I think everybody has different ones for different reasons, linked to different memories. But I think, Yeah. <laughs> I notice a common pattern is that it's a lot of people's comfort foods involve carbs. <laughs> but I think the breakdown of that scientifically is simple carbs um, are digested faster and it releases endorphins to the brain if we want to get into that. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That's totally, totally interesting. I know. I know when I spoke to another guest, Sylvia, she talked about um, like gut health and at the end yeah. of it, she's like, oh my God, I think that totally grossed your audience. I'm like, no, that was so interesting because we don't, we don't stop and think about the science behind these 
these foods and the, and the whys, right? It's only people like yeah. you who are, you know, developing recipes or who are kind of digging into the science of it. The average person doesn't. So it's definitely very interesting. So do to, do share. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, like developing these recipes and having my friends and family taste test things, it was really interesting to notice what people actually wanted and why. And then it brought up different um, aspects of food. And there's like demographics of who they are, where they grew up. And it, it gets bigger. Like there's food deserts in some areas that some people grew up in. So then they get more comfortable eating junk food and it brings them a sense of comfort. And that's beyond their control. And, um, but it's really interesting to see that like all the different patterns and why, why anything. <laughs> and another example is like thinking about diet culture and, um, it's, it's not even diet culture, it's just food culture in general, where there's so many different, I guess, genres of how people view food and their relationship with it. Um, yeah, I, I could go on. I don't want to ramble. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> All right, so Monique, tell me how diverse would you say is your kitchen and your dinner table? You mentioned Laos and you mentioned, you know, um, growing up you had different influences. So would you say you're pretty diverse in your kitchen? I think generally, as far as the American population goes, I think it's, it's more diverse than most kitchens um sometimes I feel like I have a like an international pantry (laughs) like and sometimes I even wonder if like the personal recipes I develop if they're too far-fetched because I get so intrigued by trying different things from different regions or different countries and I definitely have a, a fair amount of Asian like staples and I have an entirely different cabinet for more um, nutrition-focused recipes. And then I have, like, Italian and, <laughs> like, Indian spices as well I, and Mexican. I, yeah, I guess I have a <laughs> diverse. <laughs> I'm, like, like, reviewing everything now. <laughs> Hey, I know my pantry is full of stuff that I probably am not even going to make, but it's just, I don't know, for me, it's like having it there, like, you know, being Indian and, and having, you know, lived, grown up there and gotten a, a different kind of a food palette to coming here to the States and now living here and having a slightly different food palette. It's like, I want to, you know, naturally I want to combine the, the two, right? But then, yeah. like I said earlier, I have my go-tos and I'm not super adventurous, but I still have these exotic sounding and looking spices and things, which I'm like, when I bought them, I was thinking I would do something with them. And now they just look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes what is exotic for some people is like our, our normal. <laughs> and it's like, oh, is that 
is that the standard pantry then? <laughs> it was all over. Now, are you equally adventurous in your eating habits? Um, or will you just not try certain things? Or are you of the philosophy that I'll try everything once at least? Uh, you know, it's 50-50. I, maybe not 50-50, but what I mean by that is I like to think I'm an adventurous eater. When it comes to plants, sure, I'll eat anything. But when it comes to like meat and stuff, I am not very adventurous. And I think, you know, I'm thankful to not be in a position where I have to only eat certain things like right like frog legs I will not eat those <laughs> or chicken feet I just I can't yeah. yeah so in that sense I'm not very adventurous but anything else that isn't like some animal body parts I'll I'll try it easily okay okay <laughs> Now, this is um, another one of those hard curveball questions. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> because, because I know uh, whenever I ask this question, my guests are like, what? How can I? I can't do that. So, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, what is your favorite restaurant? It can, be, it can be, you can localize it to where you are, or you can talk about a restaurant or a meal that, you know, perhaps when you were traveling, it's an open-ended question. I just want to know if you have one and why is it sort of a hot favorite? Oh, okay. So it, I'm going to loop in what I said earlier about it really depends on who I'm with. But if we're talking about locally where I am, there's um, the Essex and Huck's Filling Station in Rhode Island. And the reason for that is because they have great food. <laughs> They are some of the first restaurants that I ever got to photograph. Mm. And I think it just adds an extra layer of appreciation. And I think it just makes everything taste better too. For sure. Now, how about when and you've, I'm assuming you've traveled um, a fair bit as well. You mentioned Laos. So do you have any sort of favorites um, when you travel? Oh, so in Laos, I don't even know what it's called, but in the capital, there's this one orange kiosk, like, <laughs> it's, and it's only open for a little bit, and then they have these buns, calapau, and I don't know what it is, but they're so soft and fluffy, yet so tasty inside, and we tried all these different things in Laos, but that's a first thing that comes to mind and it was so exciting that like I kept asking if we could go back and then we introduced some travelers who we met and we all got them together and something is in it <laughs> it's just really good <laughs> I don't know what it is I'm, I I can totally relate I mean when I go back home to um to India and to Bombay there are these little, you know, hole-in-the-wall places that still exist 20-odd years later. And I just love going there because not only is the food excellent, it's cheap, it's excellent, it's local, 
but it's also the memories of growing up of you know hanging out with my yeah. friends and and all those things that makes it you know sort of extra special and it's like to the average person it's just no big deal but um you know for for people like us it's just it has these memories and then once you taste it you're like I cannot not taste it. <laughs> I, yeah. I have to keep going back. Now, as a traveler, do you, um, and, and given you're in this sort of industry, right, in, in food and recipe development and all that, do you look for sort of, um, like, do you travel to eat or is it, food is just a part of your travels? Yeah, I definitely travel to eat. <laughs> And it can be hard because then I just want to buy everything because it's the thrill of being somewhere new, but then I'll just have too much food to eat. <laughs> and I, it's just the magic of being somewhere different. Even if it's something that you could get where you are, it's, there's just different ways of looking at things and approaching things. Like take pizza, for example. Chicago pizza is way different from New York style and it's really fun to see how the people are making things and why too. So I like to explore the emotions, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think it, you know, food is one of these um, quintessential essentials, I guess, in life, right? I mean, we all need to eat uh, yeah. to survive. Um, it's interesting when, especially when we go places and we, we interact with people from there and we learn about food in their eyes. I think, at least for me, it's become such a deeper exploration of a place than just, you know, the, the, the top 10 things to see in a particular location. I hate those kind of lists. I want to know, <laughs> I want to know, you know, pe what do people do, people who live there, what do they like? Where do they go for a beer or where do they go, you know, for, for an evening out? And it's just, sometimes it's so different from what is popular that yeah. it you just feel like you're in a completely different place than what you expected um, you were going to go explore. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. No, it does. You, I, the first place that comes to mind when you said that is New York City. I think a lot of people get really excited about the idea of New York City, but then when you go there, it's just a whole bunch of tourists and it's way different than what you'd expect. <laughs> and it's like, you just want to connect with locals because those are the people that are living there that connected to some place, even a hole in the wall for whatever reason. And it yeah. makes it way different. Yeah. For sure. Now, this is, I think, a super fun question. <laughs> and it has the potential of so many different answers. So um, I'm going to just throw it out there and let you run with it. Um, so say you invited some people you admire the most in your life, and they don't have to be famous people. They can just be, you know, people in your extended circle to a dinner party. Who are they? And what would you serve? So there's nobody famous that I'd want to like share that moment with, per se. <laughs> like, I think it would just be the locals or 
not even the locals, just how do I word this? I am most inspired by the people that I meet. I feel like there's a lot to admire and dive into with people's personal stories. And you can relate on a deeper level just through conversations like this. Um, I totally forgot the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that is totally fine. Well, you you, you kind of answered who you would have at your dinner table. Now, the second part of it is, um, what would you serve? Oh, so what I'd serve at the table, that definitely, hmm. Yeah, what I'd serve depends on what that person generally likes. Like the other day I was asked, like, what's my favorite meal to cook and why? And I didn't have an answer. And I think it's because I like to look at it from a hospitality standpoint where I want people to feel comfortable. And then maybe the next time you open them up to be more adventurous with some other recipe. (laughs) It's such an interactive experience. And I think that's part of the fun of figuring out what somebody's palates are like. And then once you're comfortable and food tastes great, I realize they open up even more. Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, again, goes back to this whole comfort food concept, right? I mean, not, not to be fair, not everybody is, is, things like that. But there's a good segment of people who, when you are, you are sitting across from them, they want to kind of interact with you. And food is just secondary. It's, it's, you know, a part of the whole experience. It's not the experience. As you get to know the person, then it becomes a, Hey, let's, you know, go out for the super fancy meal. And then it like, you know, shifts completely. So I totally get it. Now, when we started talking, um, right off the bat, you mentioned you, um, started off as a stylist, a food stylist, a food photographer, and now you have your own sort of you know, website and, and food blog. So where where do you see yourself? I mean, where do you want to take this if you're open to sharing with us? What are sort of your next steps with this whole food journey? Hmm. Well, I, I made the website and collaborated with people because I realized as a recipe developer, I was making all of these recipes for clients. And I was like, I have nothing to show for what I can do or what, you know, really moves and inspires me. Mm-hmm. So it kind of took on this path of, it's like a step before a cookbook. If, yeah. And I think maybe that could be the next step. <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm just kind of, observing how people react with my directions, my photography, and trying to understand how people learn because it really opened up like different aspects of communication and teaching and learning. And I think to move forward, I have to be receptive to all of that. And I think from there, it can go a lot of different ways. For sure. So would it be a cookbook for your recipes or would it be 
uh, collaborating with somebody else and helping them put their cookbook together. Because I see as a photographer, as a, as a stylist, um, a lot of, you know, uh, that's not that's not a skill every food blogger has. And to have all three of them is pretty rare. So I don't know, what where, where, does, where is your head? Or are you kind of looking at doing a cookbook for your own recipes? I think. I, I think it would be fun to do a cookbook for my own recipes. Um, but I also would love to work with somebody else in theirs. Like one of my best friends was saying that he's just, his next move in life will just be dropping everything to open up a bakery. <laughs> and it would be cool to do a cookbook with him. And yeah, I, I guess I really didn't think about it. I'm just so excited to express and just release some different, foods and photography right. and sorts so no, it's I, beautifully done I have to say I, I remember <laughs> kind of talking about it on social and I went and I checked it out it's beautifully done and and you know you've got such a clean yet intriguing is the right word that I would like to use in terms of your food styling and your photography um it just very beautifully done so congratulations on that thank you <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Monique. This has been um, amazing. I love chatting with you. I, like I said, you've I interacted with you way back in the early <laughs> culturally our days. So it's it's so refreshing to see how your journey has evolved and you've morphed as an artist and as a creative. So um, thank you so very much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. And the feelings are mutual. I just, I remember how it was in the beginning. And then I was like scrolling through, like throughout the process up until today. And it's really fascinating to see just the amount of people you've connected with and the depths of conversations you've had. It's the world needs more of that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. That, that definitely makes my heart sing. So thank you so much for those words. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Culturally Ours. Check out the show notes at culturallyours.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your family and friends.